the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thoughts Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Uh, Join our conversation because education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of this country. And as our president, uh, 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, so succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. And we are so happy to have our wonderful guest, Sheila Qualls, back in the, uh, back in the studio with us again this week, right, Abigail? Yes. Um, where we are continuing our conversation with her regarding her five podcast series called Trapped. And um, we kind of introduced that last week as to, you know, what the content of each of the shows is and how you got prompted to even start uh, doing these podcast series. Um, But this week, we really want to dig in a little bit more deeply into some of the stories that you shared and and just some of the history of um, what brought us to where we are today in the public schools. Um, And let's maybe start by talking about... Uh, the Obama era changes that were being made with Common Core. And then let's also talk about the Dear Colleague letter that got sent by his Secretary of Education, Arnie Duncan. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me back. Yeah. I appreciate that. Glad to have you um, back. You know, it, it did sort of, it. I, I think it was sort of, it, it didn't begin with the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. That sort of... Um, was sort of like squirting, uh, accelerated it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it accelerated yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because this had been going on in our country for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, starting, like I said, maybe back around after World War One mm-hmm. when, um, Nazis came over mm-hmm. from, um, Germany, mm-hmm. you know, to escape what was going on over there. Yes. Um, so yeah, it absolutely, it's, it, it's been going on for a very long time. You know, and I, something interesting that you said, you said, um, education, is the playing field, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. education is the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. And I think is. that is something that we don't realize that mm-hmm. is really where the fighting is. Mm-hmm. Um, because I believe that's a winning issue. That's a winning issue for conservatives is education yes. because mm-hmm. every mom cares about their child and their kids education. Yep. Yes. And so we need to look at this at, 
for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a fight. This is literally yep. a battle almost for the souls of our of our children. Mm-hmm. I hate to mm-hmm. sound so dramatic, mm-hmm. but it is really that serious. Yeah. And parents need to understand. It is. And as you point out, this has been going on a lot longer than people realize. And so much was happening in those early 1900s, you know, with the progressive era. Yes, we had a lot of Marxists come in to, as college professors and infiltrate a lot of our top universities. But also at that time, education itself was changing. Um, romanticism was changing the way they viewed the child and how they should be learning. And so there's just a lot of change that was taking place at that time. But you're right, this all kind of culminated. And then um, I would say during the Common Core era of the Obama administration, that really did serve to inflame all of this to a much greater level. And there was a Dear Colleague letter that you mentioned in your podcast. Can you tell our listeners about that Dear Colleague letter? Because that was really instrumental in accelerating what we're seeing now in in our public schools nationwide, really. This is not just a Minnesota issue. Yeah, the Department of Education at that time um, had statistics that showed that black and brown kids were expelled at almost, um, black kids, I believe, almost four times the rate of their white counterparts. Mm-hmm. And so instead Which of... Which is an extreme, extreme difference. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But instead of peeling back the next layer and saying, hmm, what what could be the cause of this? Mm-hmm. They went straight to, well, that's because educators are racist. Yeah. That's yes. the reason this is happening. So they issued what was called a Dear Colleague Letter. And basically this letter took discipline out of the hands of local school districts Mm -hmm. and put it in the hands of the federal government. Because Mm -hmm. what they said to school districts is if you don't stop expelling black and brown kids at higher rates, we are number one. We're going to investigate you. Mm-hmm. And number two, we're going to take away your funding. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so people were like, oh, okay, well, we yeah, don't want that biggest to happen. Threats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so basically they stopped expelling black and brown kids. Mm-hmm. So by the time um, somebody woke up and said, well, this is ridiculous. This is not constitutional. Mm-hmm. They rescinded the Dear Colleague letter. Mm-hmm. By that time, Minnesota had issued a sort of dear colleague letter of its own, Mm -hmm. and it was sent to 41, 42 school districts in Mm -hmm. Minnesota that they noticed had higher rates of expulsion for black and brown kids Mm -hmm. and basically threatened them. Either you stop expelling black and brown kids or we're going to investigate you. Mm -hmm. So. They stopped expelling black and brown kids. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 what people don't realize is it doesn't stop there. Yep. Because if I'm a white parent, mm-hmm. I'm going to go, wait a minute. Why did my kid get expelled for doing exactly the same thing this kid got expelled? Mm-hmm. Did the same Didn't thing. Get expelled, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's happened, some of the... Go ahead. Yeah. And yeah. what happens is then schools are like, mm, okay, they stopped expelling Anyone. white kids. Yeah. <laughs> so it just it just sort of snowballed and just became this massive mess that mm-hmm, we're looking at today. Mm-hmm. And, and the sad thing is, is there nothing has pulled back from that. I mean, the stories that you are hearing from kids is that the discipline is basically non-existent. Um, the story you told last week about the teacher in one of the school districts in, in I think, the Twin Cities, that where little kids were throwing things and being unruly, and the principal basically, and the principal and the superintendent said, no, you can't do anything about it. And then I think about this student that you interviewed, I think it was in White Bear Lake, wasn't it? Was his name Andrew? Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about his experience and just how... These are real life experiences that our students are experiencing because of this dear colleague letter that got sent out, rescinded, and and yet we are still experiencing the practices of all of this 
or the ramifications of all of these letters all these years later. Yeah, he was one of the first um, interviews that I did in this whole series. Hmm. And his story was one of the ones that kind of woke me up mm-hmm. um, because he talked about, he and his mom both talked about, you know, he was going to school every day, coming home on the school bus, and this kid was literally assaulting him every single day. Mm. And he'd come home and, you know, I think his brother was saying, hey, mom, yeah. you know, um, Anthony got assaulted on the school yeah. bus today. Yeah. And um, so, you know, the mother was like, well, you know what, you're going to be in high school. You need to go and talk, you know, handle this mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, the school did absolutely nothing. Mm. Absolutely nothing. And that what was just so just shocking to me that you can, as a kid, go to school, beat up another kid, and absolutely nothing happens to you because of the color of your skin. Right. Discipline should not be race-based. Right. It, it, it knows no color. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we have to understand mm-hmm. in our society. Mm-hmm. There are other reasons behind why these kids are acting out and why certain races of kids are acting out right. more than others. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with the color of their skin. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. You, you're, you're handicapping these kids by making yes. them feel like they're victims. Well, and that's one of the things that I think is an important point because as part of the um, dear colleague letter when they were blaming all of this on what must have had to have been, you know, white teacher racism in, in schools. Um, they were quoting the whole school to prison pipeline, um, or, or sorry, um, yeah, school to prison pipeline, I guess is what they referred to it. And they were saying that it's these kids that are, uh, suspended or expelled that are how many more times more likely to end up in prison. Okay. But what they're not considering is that by not disciplining them and by not teaching them how to behave in a respectful and productive manner, these kids are displaying antisocial behavior that is never going to allow them to to succeed in society. So now I bet if they were to look at the statistics, they would see that whatever they saw back then, it's that many more times worse now because now we probably really do have a very serious school to prison pipeline because these kids aren't being taught how to behave. For these kids, as you pointed out last week, many of these children are coming from father absent homes or maybe drug infested homes. Um, there's a lot of other social factors that contribute to whether a child succeeds in school or not. And we have to address that whole picture, that whole child. And if we're, if the only place they were able to get discipline and stability was in school, and now we've taken that away from them yep. too. Uh, what's their hope? Yeah, they're what's setting them hope? up for failure. Yeah. They're literally setting these kids up for failure because no matter what you do in life, life is, your life choices are motivated by consequences, yeah. whether good or bad. Yeah, That's just the way it is. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a job, you work hard, you get to take a vacation. You get to buy a new car. Right. You don't work hard, you don't get to take a vacation. Mm-hmm. You may lose your house. You can't buy your kids new clothes. Mm-hmm. That is just the way that... that humans are driven. Mm -hmm. They're driven by consequences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this has gotten so pervasive that I actually had a teacher just share with me an experience her husband had at a charter school even. And he was actually um, being evaluated for his teaching methods, and he's been praised as an excellent teacher. And when this uh, evaluator came and observed his teaching that day, it just so happened that a black student in his class gave a racial slur to an Asian student in his class. And so he corrected this black student and said, as hey, he should have. Yeah, as he should have. You, you can't 
talk this way to him. And, you know, anyway, that's really offensive to him, whatever. Um, we'll come to the actual time of the evaluation meeting with this observer. He was marked down because he wasn't respecting the black culture of this student for giving a racial slur to the Asian student. And of course, the teacher responded by saying, well, what do you mean? I mean, but it was offensive to the Asian student. Yes, but we have to be more concerned, basically, for the black culture. And again, what is that teaching that student? If if he hadn't called him out on that, it contributes to more violence in the school because at what point does that Asian kid just say, I've had enough, yeah. <laughs> right? And, well, and, and if you want to talk about something that will divide people based on race. You can look at it from both perspectives. Students of one skin color are going to look and see, you know, if I complain enough, I do. I get my way. There are no consequences. There are no boundaries. That teaches one thing. Mm -hmm. And kids of other races are are learning, you know, I don't know if I want to hang out with people that look differently because the rules are different for them. And I, no matter what I do... I, I'm going to get dinged. Mm-hmm. And, and so then does that facilitate, does that policy encourage people to say, where are you from? Let's learn more about each other. Let's learn, you know, oh, you like, you know, I don't know, cookies. I do too. You know, mm-hmm. does it encourage people to come together or does it spur on greater division? Well, and that's what the young man from Rosemont, Apple Valley, um, he, you know, that I think his talk to the school board went viral. Yes. And then you re-interviewed him like two mm-hmm. years later. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he mm-hmm. said, Abigail, yeah. is that you are causing us to see everything through the lens of race yep. um, rather than being united. It's dividing us. And I never used to think this way. Yes. And how sad is that? But to your point, that is the goal of Marxism is to divide. Yes. Yeah, and and so this insidious division and oppression talking about oppressor oppressors and victims and um and not teaching learning. Meanwhile, our Minnesota math scores are I think what fifty percent of kids are able to read at grade level and less than fifty percent of kids are able to perform math at grade level, right? Yeah. American Experiment recently um found that 19 schools, there were 19 schools they found in Minnesota that did not have one kid proficient in math. Oh, 19 schools, not one. sickening. Yeah, it is sickening. It is just sickening. Yeah. And even the, the suburban um, uh, districts, their test scores are just tanking. They're just tanking. I think one district you mentioned, they dropped 18% in just four years. Yeah. This is alarming people. <laughs> like yeah. w- these kids, are. this is their only chance at an education and they are the future of our country, which is why K-12 education is the battleground. And we, we always say, save the classroom, save the country. Mm-hmm. Because 17,000 hours kids spend in K-12 education, they have to get a good one in order to succeed in life. Well, one thing also that we're seeing is great inflation. Mm-hmm. You know, kids are coming home from school. Well, my kid's getting A's and B's. Yeah. I'm not worried about it, but they mean nothing. Right. Um, I spoke with uh, Alan Hodak, who mm-hmm. is uh, an administrator at Fourth Baptist Christian School. Mm-hmm. Has kids come to his school from the Wyzetta School District? People move to Wyzetta for the school districts. Right. Had a kid come to his school, not one, many, A's and B's at Wyzetta, comes to this school 
and is not able to keep up. Mm -hmm. So just because your kid is bringing home A's and B's and they're on the A honor roll, I don't even know what a, what is a B honor roll? We, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. A B is not the honor roll. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But just because your kid's getting good grades, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It means nothing. And that is Sit part down of and that. talk to your kid about what they know. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was talking to Anthony, we just happened to stumble on the topic of history. American history. Yes. And I was stunned was at what he did not know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely stunned. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't know any of the basics. And and this is true. I remember talking to a teacher who was going through teacher training. This was probably five years ago, maybe even six. It was before COVID. And she was telling me that, you know, in her teacher training, she was she was told that, well, we don't teach about Nazi Germany anymore. We don't we don't cover that. And I said, what do you mean we don't cover that? And she goes, I know. Isn't that strange? And, you know, I, she thought it was strange, but yet didn't this is what. Right, right. Right. Well, she's in teacher training. She's at the mercy of the teacher training school. Right. But I'm just saying that this has been, to your point, going on for quite some time. Sheila, can you talk to us a little bit about um, this story about this, the parent with the transgender student or <laughs> the one that wanted to be and, and the school supported them and, and the parental rights that really have gotten trampled. This was, I think, an important topic we were talking about at the break. You mentioned that parents' natural instinct to protect their children is being eroded bit by bit by bit. Talk about some of the stories you've heard, um, including the one in Woodbury. Yeah, and that's, that is what we are seeing is that parents' rights, um, they don't mean anything to the school. Mm -hmm. Um, to school districts. Mm -hmm. They will trample those rights and not think anything about it. Mm -hmm. You know, a father, if you haven't listened to the episode, Mm -hmm. please do that. But a father had his his daughter uh, who wanted to be um, known as something else. Mm -hmm. And she... I guess she took had this a to history. the school uh-huh. mm-hmm. 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 and they said to the parents, you know what? Um, well, actually what they did was they, they, they called them an email yeah, yeah. and said, mm-hmm. Hey, is this okay if we mm-hmm. do this? Mm-hmm. And the parents said, Nope, you know, absolutely not. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we're supporting gender diversity. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so whether you agree with this or not, this is what we're going to be doing. And so too bad. Mm-hmm. So, they went to school. The records, uh, the name was changed in the records. The name was the changed. Was changed. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. everything was changed. They would go to parent-teacher conferences, and the teachers would be referring to this child by this name that was not that child's name. Mm. And when the parents would say, well, that's not our kid's name, you know, then they would kind of get the hairy eyeball. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what are you? You're homophobic or, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's You're transphobic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so what is happening is parents' natural instinct to protect their children is being stripped away mm-hmm. because they are being... Um, made afraid of being called racist or homophobic or whatever kind of phobia it is Mm -hmm. that they're coming Mm -hmm. up with these days. They're afraid of being called that. So Mm -hmm. instead of standing up for their child and Mm -hmm. saying, nope, you know Mm -hmm. what? We're not going to do this. I'm not going to allow you to do that. Um, This is not right. I don't think it's right that Mm -hmm. my six-year-old is sharing a bathroom with a 17-year-old boy right? Mm -hmm. or sharing a locker room with a 17-year-old boy. Instead of using that natural instinct it's being stripped away Mm -hmm. because people are so afraid Mm. and i just think 
I just, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff just drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. And part of that story that we're hearing, this is very common as you talk to in particular um, people who are detransitioning, maybe have tried and experimented with uh, changing their gender, moving down that path, and then have later on made a different decision. What I heard in that story was that the parents were very proactive in talking with the school saying, this child, we have been, this child has mental health issues that we Mm -hmm. as a family are taking steps. We're working with professionals. We are, you know, we are working to help this child move into a healthier mind space. And what you hear in so many of these stories is, you know, these are not just, you know, kids that one day got up and decided I'm going to make a very drastic change as a minor. These are children that already have a number of other challenges that they are struggling Mm -hmm. through. And instead of the school, again, supporting the parents saying, you know, we'd love to know more. How can we help this child move into a more clear headspace? Um, I believe that the, that the father was told by the school counselor. And I, and I will note Mm -hmm. school counselors are not neuropsych. Mm -hmm. Right. School counselors are not psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing a huge overreach by individuals who are school counselors far overstepping their expertise. Mm-hmm. And again, we are hearing that with people who are walking down the path of gender ideology and then trying to change direction. A lot of times it is a school counselor who is saying this. Behind and what it. you mm-hmm. revealed in the interview was that mm-hmm. the family was told, well, so many of these mental health issues are going to go away if you just capitulate mm-hmm. and let them transition and be this other and, person. And just first of all, you know, mm-hmm. all parental authority, even aside, just from a professional standpoint, right. how far outside the bounds is that? That's reckless. That is it's reckless. It is, really. it is unprofessional. Mm-hmm. And I do want parents to kind of note mm-hmm. that they are going far beyond what they are actually trained to do. Mm-hmm. Which is really malpractice. Yes. And, you know, you hate to throw those terms, terms around, but these are life decisions. And, yes. and it's, it's, you know, as, as that father shared, he felt so offended because he said, you know, we'd been in counseling with this child for five or six years prior to this. That counselor from the school counselor wasn't sitting in these counseling sessions with the real counselor and hearing all that this girl has been dealing with for five or six wheels or years. And he said, this was just her latest thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and for them to provide such a simplistic solution, again, is reckless. It's not being responsible as a counselor. Um, it's, it's kind of following, following this new social contagion. And, and one of your students that you interviewed, a little fifth grader, talk about social contagion. Um, I don't remember where she was from, but she shared how all these fifth graders, fifth graders, they're what, 10 at that mm-hmm. point? Um, how they're all saying they're these various types of sexualities. And maybe you could share, do you remember that story that I you do, shared? I do, that um, was actually I was Cheyenne, Cheyenne from Little Falls. Okay, yes, okay. Absolutely. And you know, th- that, that brings us another point. Yes, she did say that. Mm-hmm. But that is this whole thing with this social emotional learning. Mm-hmm. What social emotional learning does is it tries to drive kids into a certain way of thinking. And number one, it starts um, with the uh, premise that all kids have emotional problems and that they're all victims. So mm-hmm. if you have a kid who then says, 
I'm not a victim. I don't have emotional problems. Well, what happens? Then that kid becomes thrown into the oppressor category. Yep. They, they're, you know, they no longer are a victim. They're put over there with the parents and with the adults that, that as an oppressor. And so in order to avoid that, to not mm-hmm. feel like, well, I don't want to be an oppressor. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be one of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Kids do things like, mm-hmm. okay, oh, well, I'm bi mm-hmm. or I'm trans or I'm this mm-hmm. or I'm that. They say whatever it will take to ease that feeling of discomfort. Um, that is such a good point, Sheila. I had not considered that, actually. And so that's that is. why we mm-hmm. see all of these kids who now mm-hmm. all of a sudden are bi or trans or whatever it is that they are when they're not really. Because they don't to want escape. to be part of the oppressive group. Exactly. I have not thought of that. That's such a minor little shift, but I have not. I was thinking it was more of a social contagion where these kids hear each other's talking about it all the time. And then that's kind of the popular thing, right? Oh, I guess I'm going to say that I'm bi because that's kind of popular. But it is and popular. It could, and it could be that too. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think you raise a really good point that nobody wants to be in the oppressor group. So you've got to find something wrong exactly. with yourself exactly. so that you can say you're a victim. That's and then, exactly right. And then look at what that does to the mental health of our of our young people. Um, that means that we're taking kids that who otherwise would have been healthy and, and really creating an unhealthy um, mental and status for them. And they need adults to be the adults. Mm-hmm. They need the adults to sit down and say, I am so sorry that you are hurting and that you're not feeling secure. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. But there is light at the end of the tunnel Let's bring in your parents. Let's bring in the people who know you and love you. And we're going to talk about this and work through it mm-hmm. with the goal of no longer being a victim, mm-hmm. no longer being immersed in this. And yet we are, you know, our schools are abandoning this mm-hmm. and instead they're encouraging it. Um, you know, the further interview with Cheyenne. So this little one was in fifth grade mm-hmm. and mom finds out that instead of, you know, in addition to all the different dating relationships that these fifth graders are moving through they are also taking a sexting class yeah i mean that sounds like a fantastic use of time and you know i was so encouraged because when she reached out to the school the school was on it like that oh wait no no on it to shut her down yeah they were on it to shut her down Mm -hmm. and to make her feel like she was the parent who was crazy yeah um because they absolutely ostracized her put a restraining order for lack of a better word telling her she wasn't allowed to talk to teachers she was allowed to talk to other parents she was only allowed to talk to the principal or the superintendent Mm -hmm. yeah that's ridiculous i mean they have no authority to do that and so what if I talk to another parent, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have absolutely no authority to do that. Not at all. So, Sheila, we have just like you know, a minute and a half left. Can you help us and help our listeners find a little hope? What can parents do? I think you devoted one of your podcasts to that. What can parents do? You know, um, parents, first of all, need to realize you are in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. You absolutely maintain all the control you are the one who decides where your kid is going to sit every single day Mm -hmm. are they going to sit in a private school are they going to go to public school are you going to homeschool them what is going to happen so that's number one you have to realize you have all the power the school district does not have the power Mm -hmm. you can say tomorrow my kid is not coming back to this school tomorrow Mm -hmm. and there is Mm -hmm. nothing that they can do nothing at all Mm -hmm. and also be informed Mm -hmm. don't 
where blinders don't say, oh, well, this isn't happening in my kid's school. You know, I love public school, but, uh, you know, or I hate public school, but my public school is okay. Yeah, we hear that. Don't Mm -hmm. fool yourself because Mm -hmm. it's not true. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Be informed of what's going on and um, absolutely um, speak up. They're going to call you a racist anyway. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Yeah. They're going to call you a racist. They're going to call you a homophobe. They're going to call you whatever. You know, but at the end of the day, you are the one who makes the decisions about what happens with your kid. And if we as parents are not brave enough to stand up and say, this is my kid, Mm -hmm. I am going to be the one who makes the decision about where she goes and what she learns or what he is exposed to. Mm -hmm. um, We're doing our kids a disservice. Mm -hmm. We're doing our kids a disservice. Such an important topic. Sheila, you have been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us these last two weeks. We are thrilled to have you. And please, everyone, go check out Trapped Chaos in the Classroom. Again, you can find it anywhere where you look for podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And again, please continue to listen to our show as well in all of those same places. Thank you for listening to AM 1280, The Patriot. Have a great night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.